online. I, I, I really love the surprise when I looked down at the first line that I wrote, and it says, the train is pulling into the station. And I had to think to myself, what did I mean when I wrote that? But I think I understand <laughs> what I was talking about, even though it's a lame phrase. The train is pulling into the station. Um, and today we are just ending, wrapping up this series called um, Becoming Everyday Disciples, right? So we are, have been going through, if you haven't been following along, or maybe you have, just to recap, um, we've been laying out six practices, things that I'm, I'm asking you, if you call I-90 home, to, to start doing. Um, and my hope is that, uh, that we do this, these things together and over the long term, and that these things would just become part of our DNA here at I-90, even after this sermon series is over, that we would just, just keep doing it. Because one thing is um, just, just super clear to me, having worked and lived in the church for a long time and, and, and been, a, been a Christian for a while now, um, is that American culture, or culture that we live in, is, you know, it's quite divided, and that's true, but despite the division, I think pretty universally there are two things that get in the way of our spiritual growth here in the United States. Uh, first, that's that we're highly individualistic, right? Which is, in, in some cases, that's a good thing, you know? Some t- cases, that, that has been a benefit. I'm not sure if it's great for our spiritual lives, though, <laughs> because I think we operate under a myth that the successful person, the person who's going to be successful in life, is the one who is able to go it alone and to be stronger and just to press through um, and to just conquer their own weaknesses through the, through the um, you know, enacting of strength. Um, and we tend to believe that the, the, the solution to all of our problems, whatever variety they have, is just that we would be stronger, smarter, that we would outwit our own selves, right? But a very individualistic way to think about um, how we progress in life. But I would argue that just spiritually, that's just not good. It ends up just leading us to a place of, of getting stuck. And secondly, um, and it's totally connected to the first one, we believe, or part of being an individualist and being a person who thinks that, well, I just like work harder and be stronger, we believe that, that change should be fast, that, that change, even interchange, should be something that we can just, just work on for a concerted amount of time, a short period of time, and then it'll get, uh, it'll get fixed. We live in a, a quick fix society that thinks we can hack inner transformation um, by being smarter or stronger. And I believe just both of these, you know, again, like not, not entirely in all, in all types of, of, of life is this a problem, but in the spiritual life, I think it is a problem, and I think it's, it's just not helpful. And my hope is that as we start doing these spiritual disciplines, um, we could also be confronting those lies. Like, if we do them, we do them in the right spirit, um, we're also going to be dealing with those, those issues. How? Well, first, by doing these things together. By not saying, all right, well, I'm going to be just a better Christian. I'm just going to set out to be stronger and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder and then become a better Christian. But really understand that we don't and we aren't supposed to have what it takes from our own inner strength in order to follow Jesus well. That's, that's not the, the shape of the Christian life. It's not that the strongest survive and thrive. That's not how it works with Jesus. Not only is that like... Uh, an article of faith that we, we, that we can't, like, save ourselves, right? I mean, that's really built into the, the idea that we need a Savior. We are also commanded in Scripture to be a part of a community for a reason. Because I am not, in and of myself, 
I don't, I don't have the stuff to get it done to follow Jesus over the long term of my life. That's why Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is, is something that we ought to be reminded of. It says, let us consider one another. Consider one another. That's why we gather. In order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting uh, to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. The way Christian progress over the long-term works, the way following Jesus and being a disciple over the long-term works looks like this. It's that we need to consider one another to, to develop and have a mind to develop in one another love and good works, depth, spiritual strength, like I need you so that my life can, be, can grow, and you need me, and you need each other so that your life, you can, you can grow. And, and, and we do that as we gather together. As we come together, we get to know one another, we encourage one another. We can't neglect that if we want to grow. So that's what we're told to do. So we're, we, need to, we need to do these things together. And secondly, I'd like for us to commit to doing these things over the long term, because like these are not... Six weeks, and then you're, you're going to be all set. Um, they're not things that are meant to be even performative. Like, well, well, you did them, and so you checked off the box, and so then you get the benefit from it. That's, it's not the sort of thing. The point of doing these things is not to get them done. If you just get them done, you won't necessarily reap a benefit from them. The, the point of doing these things is to live lives where we are growing into a greater awareness of what God is um, has designed us for, to grow in our faith, to, to take on God's character, to love the things that he loves, and, to, and to, to become aware of how God is, is working in our lives and calling us into his mission and, and understanding more deeply the struggles that we have in order to take on the character of God, to understand the ways that our character and God's character are not always really working together very well. Do you get it? Like, like, the point is not to do these things. The point is to do these things so that we will see, oh, I've got other things that are in the way of, of, of my, my depth, my, my, my relationship with Jesus. I've got other things that I need to, to come to Jesus and, and seek, seek strength and healing for. The, the, the point of all this stuff is so that we would grow. And I mean, we need to do it over the long term. Galatians 6, 9, great memory verse. Let us not lose heart in doing good for... If we work harder, no. If we, you know, do it, do the, do, if we're smarter, no. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Do these things over the long haul. It's not going to be a short-term sort of thing. When we, when, we are, when we are pursuing discipleship and when we're growing as disciples, we're, we're aiming to plant seeds that may take time to grow. That's the way it's designed. If things are slow in your life, progress is slow, you're disappointed by it, great. Keep it up. In due course, you will reap a harvest. That's, that's a promise from Scripture. With all that said, we're now going into this, this final practice, this one thing. Oh, actually, let me review the ones that we've had so far. I think I've got a slide for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so these are the, the five things we've covered so far. They work out to this acronym of become, bless uh, one follower of Jesus and someone you don't, uh, do, who doesn't follow Jesus um, every week, uh, eat uh, with someone you would not normally eat with twice a month, confess to God and others once a week, open your mouth and talk about Jesus with someone every week, meet with God every day, right? And so there are different sorts of things, different things. And this last one that I'm asking you to do, and it's going to be a little weird, so I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to explain to you what this is. Examine your life every day. 
examine your life. And I spelled it weird, didn't I? I'll explain that in a second, though. I did that that's on purpose. You, you, you were right to question if I did it on purpose, but I did in this instance. Um, I, it is on purpose because, um, you know, this word is unfamiliar, and this particular spelling of this word is, is a little unfamiliar. And that's because it's actually not a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a practice that is long existence in Catholicism. Catholics have been doing this practice called the examine, an end of your day sort of reflection on, on how, how your day went and what God did in it, in it. They've been doing it for hundreds of years, but it's not something Protestants ever really done, okay? Um, now, don't worry, we're not becoming Catholic. <laughs> um, but, but I honestly think that, that the Protestant church, you know, reacted against some, some bad things in, in Catholicism, but we, we did in some ways throw out the baby with the bathwater on some spiritual practices, um, and I honestly, I think Protestants have become a little too concerned with not looking like Catholics, that we've rejected some of the, the good things like spiritual disciplines, which have been really a part of Catholic teaching for a long time and, and have not become a part of a Protestant te- teaching until recently. There's been sort of a renewal and interest in spiritual disciplines. Uh, so my hope is that we could recover the good things about the Catholic tradition, the things which are in agreement with scripture uh, about the Catholic tradition. Um, and I think one of them is to, is to practice and examine. I think it's a good way to end one's day. Now, I know that sounds intense, like I'm suggesting that every day you should like, have a test because it sounds like exam, right? And subject yourself to like, some deep introspection where you're going to feel bad about all the mistakes that you've made. And if you grew up Catholic, I'm, I'm sorry if this is triggering in any way. Um, I'm not asking you to, to feel any guilt. This, this, this is a guilt-free examine, okay? This, that's what we're really aiming for, a guilt-free examine. Um, so let me, let me be clear. There's not, there's not any guilt here. We're not trying to take an inventory of all the mistakes that we made and then feel bad about how awful we are. That's, that's really not the goal. If that's, that's what you walk away from, then, then try again. That's all. Um, when I say examine your life every day, I'm asking you to do something really specific and in a really particular sort of way. It's not reviewing your failures, but I'm actually asking you to do this. I'm asking you to review the faithfulness of God through your day, through the day you just had. I don't want you to think about your unfaithfulness. I want you to think about God's faithfulness to you. That's what I'm talking about. If you, if you have a, a, another definition of examine, please, please replace it with this one. Review the faithfulness of God. Maybe a better way to think about an examine would be to rename it and call it a grace inventory. I'm asking you to take a grace inventory, but that doesn't start with an E, so I can't put it on there. So, um, so a grace inventory. I want you to end your day examining your life, not to search out all of your failures, but so that you can take stock of God's goodness and where he is working and where you sense him leading you. Now, maybe you think that's a cop-out, like you should feel more guilt in your life. Like, oh, I really need to really just, just, just feel more guilt. Or, or, or maybe you think you would become a better Christian if you ended your day feeling feeling ashamed for all the ways that you failed and taking stock of that. But I just want to say, I think you're wrong. I really think that's, that's wrong. I think that comes from a mistaken idea. And it comes from this place that we, we talked about, that we, we tend to think that in order to be, um, that we just need to be stronger in order to become growing people. 
that we need to find some strength that we don't possess. So I think that's wrong. And beyond that, I think that's, Apostle Paul would totally agree that's wrong. I think scripture would agree that's wrong. Because the reality is, if we, if we read scripture, is it becomes really clear that it matters where we aim in the spiritual life. It matters where we're looking and, and, and how we're involving ourselves in this, in this journey of discipleship. It matters where we're aiming. See, see, the person who looks at their life and feels a sense of failure and guilt and shame for all the ways that they've just not measured up to be a good disciple, is operating under a kind of blindness, and that is a, is a problem. They can't see that while, yes, it's good for us to grow as disciples, we don't do that by, by heaping ourselves up with guilt and shame. We do that, actually, the Christian way of growing as disciples is growing in faith. No question about that. I don't know how you could read scripture and come to any other conclusion, Old Testament or New Testament. Faith is the central obsession of people who want to know God. Faith is the only way Christians come to grow, not through guilt, not through trying harder, not through being more impressive and impressing God. Faith is the thing that God desires from people. Scripture makes that super clear. Here's just a few examples. Romans 3, 21 and 22. Now God has shown us the way to be made right with him. We're wondering, how do I get right with God? How do I feel good about like, my relationship with him? God has shown us the way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. So not only is this like a, a thing that Jesus taught, but it's something that was consistent with Scripture all throughout. God has been showing us the way to be right with him. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, in case you thought you were the exception, that you should actually just get right with God by feeling bad about yourself and beating yourself up. No, this is true of everyone who believes, no matter who you are, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and that gets us right with God. Hebrews 11.6, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is the singular obsession of Scripture. Now, I think many of us think, like, we, we value faith, right? I think, I, think, I think most Christians would say, yeah, sure, sure, faith. Faith, we need, we need faith because it gets us in the door with Jesus, right? That's, a lot of us have that understanding, and we would accept that. But I think that maybe not all of us will embrace the idea that not only faith gets us in the door, but faith is actually how we grow. It's how we grow, it's not just, well, I did that once, and so I'm in the place now, but now I can feel, feel bad about how little I'm doing with all this love that I have from Jesus, right? No, faith is the way we grow. We continue on by, in, in, into the faith and into a relationship with Jesus and into a relationship of discipleship on the basis of faith. I like how um, Richard Loveless explains it. He says this, the gift of faith is a, de, uh, is a divine healing of this central blindness of the soul. It is the exact reversal of the entrance into darkness, uh, which, was, uh, which was the essence of the fall. Through faith in the Messiah, the soul is able to face reality again with clear vision. As T.S. Eliot said, humankind cannot bear very much reality. <laughs> But through the light shed by the Holy Spirit on the Messiah and his saving work, the soul can take in a glance, uh, at a glance, sorry, the truth about its own standing before God. 
it can bear the bad news about the justice of God and the depth of its sin because it can see in the same glance the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ available simply through faith. Understand, I, I really believe it is dangerous to try to examine your life without faith. It's like walking around blind. You're going to fall down and trip over. You're going to hurt yourself. And that's because it is by faith that we see reality. It's by faith that we see things as God has designed us to see them, as he has designed things to be. We can, by faith, see both the near the bad news, and the far, the good news. See, sin has is, is blinded us, right? It's, it's blinded us, but it's blinded us partially. I think I have a, a slide that sort of visually illustrates what I'm talking about here. Um, if we are interested in, in looking, we can easily see what's in the foreground, right? We can examine our lives and see the bad news, and the bad news is that... Um, we do not oftentimes measure up to even our own ideals, let alone what God calls us to. That's the bad news. We, if we were to take stock of our lives, we'd realize we do not have the strength. We do not have the faithfulness. We do not have the depth of character that we would all like. And we have no problem seeing that very clearly. Everybody can see the bad news really clearly if we would bother to look but what we are unable to see too often is that the gospel is the good news. The good news that we can look at in the context of the bad news. And this good news is that Jesus came. He died in our place. He's taken the penalty for our failures so that we don't have to bear them anymore. That doesn't mean we don't experience our weakness or, or, or lack of strength or feeling like we don't measure up, but it does mean that we can put our faith in what Jesus has assured us of. It does mean that we can, while we see the bad news clearly, make sure that we understand the good news. Romans 5.20, we looked at this a, a couple weeks ago when we talked about confession. God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. No problem there. We all get that if we actually take stock. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What we take by faith is this promise. What we take by faith is the assurance of the significance of what Jesus has done. He died to take away and to make grace abound all the more over sin. So the bad news, we can put it in its correct context and we can understand that, yeah, it's bad. It's a problem, but it is superseded by the good news. It is superseded by the good news. And we, if, we, if we lose sight of the good news, we're just we're missing the gospel. We're missing the calling that we have. We're missing actually the real driver of growth and depth for the Christian. By faith, we can examine our lives and we can see the bad news, but we can see the good news all the more. Instead of being burdened by guilt and shame, we can look at our lives with joy and hope because of the abounding grace of Jesus Christ. And learning to do that is actually how we grow as Christians. Faith 
is seeing the good news, and that is how we grow as Christians. We grow in confidence and trust in the effective and powerful and good plan of God to bring grace where there was sin, forgiveness where there was guilt. Paul says it in Colossians. He lays out a really strong vision in Colossians 2.6 of what it looks like to grow as a Christian. He says this, So then, just as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, right? You had faith that got you in. You received him as Lord. Continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. This is what Paul taught. You, you, you come into a relationship with God on the basis of faith. You're forgiven on the basis of faith. You continue on and grow into depth, and you are rooted and established in the faith by believing this and continuing on to know the grace of God. And then he, he goes on. He says, be careful that no one would take you captive through a philosophy and empty deceit based on human traditions. Humans, humans love guilt. That's our, that's our number one pastime. Based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you've been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by the putting off of the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, when you were full of sin, he made you alive with him and forgave us our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he's taken away it, nailing it to the cross. He's disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He has triumphed over them. And that is one very long way of saying that grace is all that we need and all this guilt and all the shame and all these things that we think that we can better ourselves by just heaping upon ourselves and beating ourselves up. He said they will come to nothing because actually the abundant and amazing provision of God, what he's bought us on the cross and all that he's done, this is what we have our faith in. This is what we need to put our faith in. Walk with Jesus, be rooted, be built up, be established. How? By seeing, knowing, believing, understanding that you have been given everything you need in Jesus Christ. You lack nothing. You start with faith, knowing he's provided everything, and you continue in faith, knowing that he will continue to provide everything, and that you don't need to sit around being concerned about your lack and your failings, and your difficulties. You need to be developing and seeing and understanding that you serve a God who has provided everything you ever need or could need. You've been filled by him. You are circumcised, cleansed of your flesh, right? He's using all these imagery, a lot of Old Testament imagery going on here. You were buried in baptism with him. You were raised to, by life, uh, to life by his power. You've been forgiven the obligation of the law, this whole idea that, well, I've got to measure up. I've got to do something. If I'm going to please God, then I've got to do X, Y, Z. All that's been taken away, nailed to the cross. Satan, the accuser, he now has nothing against you. He has no power because you've been set free from all this guilt and shame stuff. He's taken it away. It's gone by faith. We, we, we get rid of it. 
because Jesus has promised us it's true. Your life in Christ is not about you measuring up in your strength any longer. That's not what it is. Your life in Christ is an all-expenses-paid invitation into a life with God, adoption into the family of God so that he's your, your father, that he cares for you, he makes every provision for you, where you're the recipient of everything you need to grow. You've already got it guaranteed in Jesus by faith. You just have to get rooted and built up into that faith. You want to be an everyday disciple? I hope you do. <laughs> kind of a theme around here. Somebody who is taking Jesus seriously. If you want to be a serious disciple of Jesus, you have to take grace seriously. It's the only thing that will actually lead to transformation. And I just like, I think it is ironic that we have some ideas in our head that in order to be really serious Christians, we have to take grace unseriously. Do you know people like that? They're just like, well, pish posh grace. And I just, I, just I, I don't get how you can read scripture that way. Because, because it is, grace is the only thing that will actually lead you to transformation the least serious thing a Christian can do is to lose sight of grace. I think that's an unserious thing because the alternative is that I'm just like coming to God on the basis of my actions and my works. And how many times do I have to learn that that is a failing proposition? How many times do I have to learn that? But grace, seeing the, the bad in light of the good is the way forward for the Christian life. And so understand this. It matters so much that we do this daily work of seeing both these things, of examining our lives and taking the journey of discipleship seriously, but also being serious about grace. And so here's, I'm just going to leave you just really practically. Here is what I'm saying and what I'm asking you to do. End your day every day, reflecting on your day, and taking an inventory of God's grace. And, and here's what it could look like, okay? Um, I'm just going to, six steps. You, honestly, like, you can shorten it up, but I'm, I'm just trying to emphasize the things that I think are important here. First off, pause and just invite the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been promised to you in John 14. You can read all about that in many other places. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak, okay? Because we, we want the two things. We want truth. We also want to know grace, and the Holy Spirit points us to both. He points us to Jesus all the time, truth and grace. He's, he's doing both of those things. So pause, quiet your mind, invite the Holy Spirit to speak, and then just ask God, show you the ways that he's been gracious to you. God, God, will, God will answer that prayer. Just, just pause and sit and listen. And then after you've done that for a time, and just review your day. Review your day. Recall specific moments and feelings, things that happened. You know, and, and there'll be like one or two, three things that were really significant. Just think about those things. Think about them. Maybe they're things that are agitating you. Maybe they're things that you are feeling guilty about. Maybe things that you're disappointed in yourself. Maybe they were great things, things that were worth celebrating. Think about how you're feeling. Reflect on, on those events. What did you do? What did you say? What were you thinking in those instances? And then were you aware of God's grace in those moments? Right? Particularly in the bad things. 
And how would being aware of God's grace have changed that experience? Were you even in the good things, just aware, this good comes from the Lord. Like, let's take stock of what he's doing. And then think about tomorrow, look forward to tomorrow. How might you participate with God to make much of his grace in your life tomorrow? How are you going to set yourself up this evening, you know, at the end of your day, for the next day to continue to grow in, be rooted and established in the faith, and to know and look for God? How might you participate with God to make much of his grace? And just end that time with thanksgiving. That's it. That's all I'm encouraging you guys to do. It's so easy when we're not intentional. Like, because you will get to the inner monologue of guilt if you're not intentional. Everybody does. That's just where most of us go, eventually. Some of us are less guilty than others. No, some of us feel less guilty than others. I should have said that, right? (laughs) Um, But if we grab the bull by the horns... Right, Because that's a lot of what, what, what these discipleship practices are. It's saying, okay, I know where I tend to, but if I want to become a person who is rooted and established in faith, then I'm just going to grab the bull by the horns, and I'm going to anticipate either my laziness, that I'm never going to consider how I'm going to grow in, into grace, or I'm going to anticipate my, my guiltiness, because that's my default position most of the time. But if I just sit, no, say, oh, no, I am going to go before the Lord. I'm actually going to ask the Lord to 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 to, to to open up my life and look at it because he already sees it, right? But to go along with me and, and open it and, and talk to me about it and encourage me in it, well, then I'm, I'm going to be anticipating whatever, either my, my own laziness, which is my problem, or, or my own guilt-riddenness. And then I'm going to be turning my day into learning experience. I, I can't remember who said it, but um, somebody said, um, experience doesn't make you grow evaluated experience makes you grow. Just just living your life doesn't make you grow. Learning lessons from your life makes you grow. And this is a way that we could learn and learn the right lessons. Learn where is God's grace? Where are the promises of Jesus coming through? Where are the things that I can lay hold of? And so um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're actually just going to do this together. I'm just going to end like a, like a quick thing together while, you know, we can play, play a little bit. But we do this, we'll practice this together, thinking about, you haven't had enough time to, to mess up your day yet, probably, you know, you just rolled out of bed. There are going to be a bunch of carbs here later, so maybe you can feel guilty about that. Um, I will. <laughs> um, so let's, let's, just, let's just settle ourselves for a second, and let's just do this together, thinking about yesterday, okay? Think about your day yesterday. And Lord, we're just going to come before you, Holy Spirit, um, I thank you that we are together that you've called us together as, as people who want to grow and that we can encourage one another and we can even um, just seek you together. And so, Holy Spirit, we just open ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, would you, would you come? Would you um, be manifestly present among us? God, convicting us of sin, righteousness, judgment, pointing us to Jesus, the things that you tell us that you'll be doing, Holy Spirit, would you just come and do them now? And Lord, would you just remind us, would you even bring to our minds the ways over the last day where you've just been gracious to us? 
would you bring to each of our minds just one or two things that we can point to and thank you for? You can just think about those things and talk to God about them, talk about how you felt, maybe an anxious feeling or a hopeful feeling, something that brought you joy. But just just put your life before God and, and review it with him. And reflect on the things, maybe things that you felt bad about or things that you felt good about. What were you thinking? And Lord, how would, how were you present, God? And how would even just like a greater awareness of the security and love and forgiveness and the promises that you've made, how would those things, an awareness of those things have changed these circumstances, Lord? Lord, could we just see the open invitations and learn of the invitations that we have from you, God, to be people who are just secure and steady in you, and God, as we think about the rest of this day and into our week, God, would you show us how we can make much of grace, Lord, how, you, how your grace truly is enough for us, Lord, that in all of our insecurity and in all of our anxiety and all of the things that we turn to in our, in our guilt and our shame, Lord, how you have taken those things away and made it so that we can have their opposite Lord, you've reversed the course of our life. We were going down separate from you, but you called us to repentance, to be near to you, to be in your presence, to be people who are called by your name. Lord, just remind us that as we go out to our days from here and then into tomorrow, that we go under your care, under your protection, and under your grace. Lord, would you wake us up tomorrow? to be people who are looking for the good news in the middle of realities. And God, I thank you. We thank you for this life that you've given us, Lord, for the opportunity to lay it all before you. God, for the joy set before us to live uh, as people who are just obsessed with you and your kindness and knowing you all the more, Lord. There's uh, nothing... We believe there's nothing in our life that could be so satisfying as knowing you. Lord, teach us to seek your kingdom first. Thank you, Lord, for opening it up to us. Thank you, Jesus. So be with us, Lord. Lord, send us out. Amen. Hey, let's stand up. Let's worship together.